Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Let's go. Ready? From the top. My favorite shows on TV have 12 minutes of advertising. I can't get behind that kind of time. Eat quickly, drive faster, make more money now. I can't get behind that. My kids say, he said to me, and I'm like, and he's like, and she's like, it's all, he's all, she's all. I can't get behind that kind of like English. That'll be six to eight weeks before delivery. The rising oceans, the warming temperatures. The dying coal repairs. No tigers in 50 years. Rising poison in the air and water. I can't understand it. By the price of gas. All right, that means it's time to do another episode of Ask or Tell Me Anything, where you, the listener, should feel empowered to call 888-720-WNPR, 888-720-9677 if you're not into the alphanumeric thing, and you could just ask or tell me anything. And it doesn't have to be a weighty issue, or it could be a weighty issue with no intrinsic news value, too. For example, I'll just give you an example, a kind of thing that you could have called up about. Although I worry that you would have called up about it, and I'm going to preempt it. So before I do that, let's just see what happens first. Uh, 888-720-WNPR. We'll see who calls up about what. But before I do that, I want to mention that, A, I uh, am the only thing I have by way of weaponry, uh, by way of shield or sword, is I do have, I have three sealed envelopes. I don't know if I can actually make them make a noise. Can you hear that? It's a sealed envelope. Uh, they are from Mr. Carp. Just to review, I went to college with Mr. Carp. He was smarter than everybody else at college. He graduated from a fairly prestigious Ivy League institution in three years, Phi Beta Kappa and Summa Cum Laude. And uh, he makes it a practice to send me clippings that he finds important in these envelopes, repurposed envelopes. Uh, and so I have them. And I have not opened them. I will. I will only open them under two circumstances, one of two different circumstances. The first circumstance would be that just nobody calls up all day, <laughs> which, you know, that could happen. Uh, in which case, at a certain point, I might open up the envelope just so I'd have something else to talk about besides my own thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. So, I mean, we could be well into the show by the time I had to do this. Uh, and the other one would be if you called me and said, please open one of the Mr. Carp envelopes. At which point I would do that, and I would begin to talk about something that was in them, hopefully. But I might might expect you, the person who called in, to at least participate nominally in that conversation, even if you all you do is go, uh huh. So anyway, so those are the circumstances under which the Mr. Carp envelopes can and will be used. So there are major issue that I, issues that I'm prepared to talk about. There are major issue that I'm prepared to talk about, but um, but I'm also prepared to talk about <laughs> about minor issues too. And oh, I have to tell you this: this is not the purpose of today's show. I'm only saying this to make 
certain people who work at this company uncomfortable. But um, but we are still in the process of either branding or rebranding the show. It sort of depends on whether you think the show ever was branded in the first place, whether it ever had. Like, you know, I mean, our logo was drawn in like 20 minutes and, and nobody even had a conversation about it. They just, someone just came downstairs and said, here's your logo. Uh, and, and, and like that, you know, it's, we, we went on the air in 2009 and I, I don't really think we had any conversations at all about what our brand was. But anyway, elsewhere in the building, there are people who want to do this. Uh, and so we are in these conversations. And so we had one yesterday, a, a rebranding conversation, a branding conversation. We don't know. And we actually encountered a really, really good two-word slogan, which I am not going to say on the air today because it might be like the official slogan of the show or something at some point. And so, I mean, I would, you know, would there be a rollout? And I would probably come down a golden escalator and, you know, announce what the new slogan was and stuff like that. And also... You know, I mean, people listen to this show from other shows. Ira Glass has been known to listen to this show. I don't want our slogan getting stolen before we ever get to use it. I don't want some, you know, I don't know. I don't want anybody at any other weasel show trying to – only our weasel show should have this slogan. Anyway, but if you have your own, let's say, two to five-word slogan that you think perfectly expresses the ethos of the Colin McEnroe show, that would be something you could call in about. I mean, it's not the only thing. I hope you will call in about real topics. The number is 888-720-WNPR. Do this slower. 888-720-WNPR. Or if you prefer just, you know, integers, 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 888-720-9677. Those are integers. Are, are they not? I think they are. All right. And I got the Mr. Carp envelopes. And so I'll tell you some things that are not important especially, that I am nonetheless someone uh, um, interested in. And then if that has not provoked any conversation, or but I, ideally what you will do is call in about something that I am ill-prepared to talk about. I mean, that's the fun of the show, right? Uh, so, but it is true, and I don't know how this got by me, although I think a lot of things get by me these days, but uh, it, it, there are, is a, there's a new Girl Scout cookie flavor. Now, let me just say a few things about that. Um, first of all, Girl Scout cookies are a very complicated thing, right? In a way, if you looked at it the wrong way, it's like cookie makers using child labor to sell their cookies, right? And, and, and it did come out a few years ago that I think they sort of fixed this up. And this is sort of an old story. But I think because these bakers, these big baking companies bid on these contracts because it's a lucrative contract, I think. And they would like wine and dine some of the Girl Scout leaders and, you know, fly them to resorts and stuff. <laughs> so um, I think they fixed that problem. I don't think that's happening anymore. But like even now with this new flavor of Girl Scout cookie, the, first of all, the name is Adventureful, which is – see, that's the kind of thing that they probably should have had a longer branding conversation about because it, it's – and it's, it's Adventureful. It, it's just F-U-L. Adventureful, like bountiful, I guess. But adventureful is a really stupid name. It's just, it's not a word. And it's it's not something that we wish was a word. It wasn't, there's certain things where you can make up a word, you know, and everyone will go, that's great. That, that should have been a word already. But that's not the case here. Adventureful is not a good name. And, and they're sort of brownie-like, we are told. 
We are we actually are told by the Washington Post where they managed to get a hold of some adventurefuls that they are crunchy chocolate cookie base uh, was which was reminiscent of the disc in a thin mint which I, I think most people would believe, would say if there's sort of a a tigress and Euphrates of Girl Scout cookies there's sort of a one Girl Scout cookie to rule them all <laughs> one one Girl Scout cookie to find them and in the darkness bind them it would be the thin mint uh, and, and then, but anyway, so, but this is sort of, it's like a, I don't know, it's brownie like, and there's a caramel topping that lends a pleasantly butterscotch like flavor to it. But here's the other thing about this. Um, the other thing about this that you should understand is that you could buy two different boxes of Adventure Fulls, or for that matter, any Girl Scout cookie. And depending on where you bought them and under what circumstances, they wouldn't be the same because these contracts do get farmed out to multiple different baking companies. For for example, the Adventurefuls are at minimum produced by the ABC Bakers Company and the Little Brownie Bakers Company. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying that that deserves some awareness. Because Girl Scout cookies are kind of a seasonal ritual. And the problem with it was last year, nobody nobody wanted any damn Girl Scout cookies. And nobody wanted any damn Girl Scouts showing up at the door with their runny noses uh, and, you know, no badge for wearing masks. Or, I mean, it just wasn't a good business model last year, having Girl Scouts show up at your door. So and you know, they do these things where they set a booth where they sell and that wasn't working really. So they wound up. I think they got stuck with a lot of Girl Scout cookies. And here, here, allow me to suggest something. I guess it's too late for this because Ozark, which is one of my favorite ever sort of streamiverse shows of all the shows that have ever been created specifically for streaming companies. Ozark it could be my ultimate, ultimate favorite. I'm not sure. But it's about to enter its fourth season. This is a Marty Bird plot waiting to happen, right? I mean, it would just be – somebody else could, should take this and run with it because Marty is going to be all done. Uh, everything Marty is ever going to do is now sitting in a can somewhere. Um, but, you know, washing money through Girl Scout cookies, that's an interesting plot. All right. That's all I got. No, I actually have a lot more. But people – are calling in right now, and I am going to take some of their calls. Once again, the number, 888-720-WNPR. And don't forget, you have the option to simply ask that I open one of the Mr. Carp envelopes, and I, I will do that. All right, here's Sue in Brooklyn, Connecticut. Hi, Sue. Hi. You have the floor. Yeah. Okay, I was just wondering, I listen to you every day. Oh, thank you. And Well, every day that you're on, sometimes other people replace you. But when you're on, I listen to you, and I also listen to Terry Gross, mm-hmm. whom I find fascinating. And um, I was wondering if you ever thought about having her on your show and interviewing Terry Gross. I think that would be, you know, to see where she came from and her favorite experiences and some of the same questions that she asked her guests. Right. I think that would be good. I, I feel like it has been done. I believe Mark Marin uh, did interview uh, Terry Gross, uh, maybe even in front of a live audience or something. Um, I mean, it, it's not as though nobody's done that before. It's a really interesting idea. I don't think I'm the right person to interview Terry Gross. But um, and the the other question is, would would that 
interview, I'm asking you this question, Sue. Would the purpose of that interview simply to be to draw Terry Gross out about aspects of her life that she perhaps doesn't regularly share with other people? Or would it be to challenge her about things? Well, I would say um, to bring out aspects of her life that she doesn't regularly share with people because she does ask a lot of people some very personal questions. And just to see if we know her like we think we do. So in other words, you feel like I should, I have standing to ask Terry Gross some personal questions about her of my own making because she does that to other people. Yeah. All right. I I would I would do it. I would be happy to do it. I would be honored for the chance to interview Terry Gross. I don't think that's going to happen. And I do also feel, I don't know who else has interviewed her, but I'm almost 100% sure that Mark Maron has done it at least once. Uh, and Mark, Mark Maron, in his own way, is also a pretty good interviewer. Um, so, but it's an interesting uh, concept. I thank you for it. Uh, and uh, thanks very much for calling. That was Sue from Brooklyn. That would be Brooklyn, Connecticut, however. Uh, the number, once again, 888-720-WNPR, 888-720-WNPR or 720-9677. Okay, I'm trying to figure out. Um, we'll just go to, I don't know what this, these these things are about, uh, but um, all right, let's talk to, let's talk to Bill in Meriden. I mean, they all look kind of interesting. Um, all right, so here's a Bill in Meriden. Hi, Bill. You have the floor. Hi. Hi, Colin. Uh, you were talking about logos today for the show. I don't have one, but I was just interested to know if uh, anyone was able to see the arrow in the FedEx logo without first being told, or the American Eagle in the post office logo, unless it was pointed out to them. Um, nobody in my family... Just curious. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, first of all, it's an interesting question, and it, it's an additionally interesting question because, okay, I would not be. I don't think I ever saw the the arrow in the uh, FedEx logo. I'm I'm pulling up the logo right now. I still don't see it. Where's the Where's the arrow? Is there really an arrow, or are you just are you toying with me? Arrow in that, and they they made a special font to create an arrow. Uh, now that I've mentioned it, if you look at it, you will not be able to unsee the arrow. Okay. So, um, and, and so there's an eagle in the. Here's the, th- the other thing is, so it feels subliminal, right? Like if you have if you have something embedded in your logo that nobody will or very few people will consciously notice, is it doing a job for you? If it has to be pointed out to people, or are people? You could sort of say say the same thing about the the famous negative space in the Whalers logo, right? Um, that there's you know a, a negative space H embedded in Peter Good's famous uh, Whalers hockey team logo. But the the thing is, like, if people don't notice it, uh, okay. So McPants is telling me I need to look between the E and the X at the end of the logo. Oh man, I don't know. Oh, I see it now. Yeah. Oh, I see it. There you go. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't. Is it a good lo- I so don't. Is it a terrible logo that nobody can see it unless it's pointed out to them, or or I, uh, I don't believe in the subliminal thing. They used to have those. Yeah. Messages embedded in like uh, uh, background music in yeah. stores that said "Don't steal," and that was that was proven to be a, a big sham. And the guy who who invented it was a, a con man. 
Right. Well, I don't know if there's any any um, uh, uh, logic to this uh, subliminal <laughs> argument. I, you and I are asking the same question, but neither one of us is providing. Well, actually, you're sort of providing the outlines of an answer, or perhaps the outlines of an arrow. But um, but yes, I mean, I think the question is: is does this arrow have any value? If in fact it's hard to see until somebody forces you to see it, and you're right. Now that I do see it, I can't stop looking at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, you may have just ruined my life, but um, we'll see how the rest of the day goes. Anyway, I don't. I, you know, it's an interesting question about logos, and I'm not really a logo person. Like I, I'd be hard pressed to think of a logo that I actually care about. Um, but um, nonetheless, we have we have a logo that. Well, it is. It's very old. And the person who prepared the logo for us was a very nice and highly skilled, somewhat overworked person who shall remain nameless at the moment. But I don't think it's his best work. <laughs> I think it really felt like there was a little period of about 12 hours where they thought, oh, there's no logo for this show. What are we going to put up on the internet? You know, what are we going to put up here or there? There's no logo. Somebody make a logo. I mean, we had no conversations with this person at all whatsoever. Uh, I mean, I wasn't even asking whether do I like these colors. Nothing. So, you know, anyway. Okay, let's go, as long as you're being self-referential, and then we'll go back to sort of real topics. Um, And so let's go to Robert in Beacon Falls. Hi, Robert. You have the floor. Good afternoon. Um, Yes, I spoke to your producer, and uh, one of the things when you were talking about having a motto for your show— Uh, I sign off on all correspondence and missives and such with um, happy trails and play well. And it also spawned an idea for me about uh, proposing uh, a college course, kind of separate but associated with this, about play. Hmm. Uh, I am a teacher and um, I teach jewelry making uh, here and and around, around the world, basically, abroad and everything. And I always ask my students when the last time they um, worked at their bench, got to the end and didn't evaluate it. You just played with things, mm-hmm. but you got to the end and didn't evaluate it. And I would love to see, and I've also taught graduate school at Pace University for a number of years, and that's another thing that I posit to the students there about getting to about play. Play being, again, open-ended experimentation, and I think a lot of higher education, all education, but especially higher education, could certainly use that. Well, I agree. And I should say that uh, starting next week, I will be be back at Yale University in their fine political science department teaching a seminar that I've taught in two previous uh, years. And and one of the things that I try to do in this seminar, and obviously a political science seminar isn't a grand opportunity for play, but one of the things that we'll do, we're actually not going to meet in person for the first two weeks because of Omicron, Mm -hmm. but presumably in early February we'll have our first class. And what I will be doing is passing, I did this in 2018, passing a bag around in which there are, I don't know, 50 little tiny rubber ducks and they're all different. And uh, each person has to reach into the bag and pull out a rubber duck, which will be different from everybody else's rubber duck. And that will be, you know, one of their defining symbols. And we actually do have year by year a class motto. For example, in 2018, we were still getting used to the Trump presidency. And so our class motto was, 
every day something has to happen. The premise being that <laughs> that Trump was a product of reality television, and in reality television, something has to happen, right? Somebody has to throw wine at somebody else, or or something like that. Uh, and Whatever so that the script calls for. Yeah, and so that in the Trump presidency, there was always every day something did happen. They were just they were absolutely made absolutely sure that every day something happened, and so that was our slogan. Last year, our slogan was. Staying reasonably well informed is very hard work, um, which is not as kicky a motto. But yeah, I mean, I I do think in education, and we do a class project at the end where I divide them up in teams. Last year, they uh, the two teams, one of the teams had to manage a rollout of uh, an Ivanka Trump 2024 presidential bid, and the other team had to. Uh, manage a similar rollout for Nikki Haley, the idea being that they would be locked in a, a primary. And I do say to the students, this should be fun. It's the end of the term. Stop worrying about your grade <laughs> and, and and do and play and have fun. And, and I think they do. So I, I think we're on the same uh, page. All right. So let's go to Carolyn and then we're going to Aaron. And we've got a lot of people waiting. And what does... Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Marianne has got a good one, too. Okay, let me uh, see. Am I, am I getting guidance also from the producer about this? Okay. Um, all right. Jonathan McPants, who's much more visually and logo-oriented than I am, cannot see an eagle in the post office logo. Um, oh, it is a oh, He says it just is an eagle. It's not like a hidden eagle. I don't know. I don't have time for that right now. I'm under a lot of pressure. Can't you see? Uh, here's Carolyn in New Milford. You have the floor. Hello. Um My name is Carolyn, and uh, I have a great concern about the um, denial of the Voting Rights Act. And uh, I correctly predicted both Obama's wins, both uh, Trump's win, and the coup. When Trump won, I said there's going to be a coup. And now I am predicting a coup within the state. Certain states will have a coup. And that is a very dangerous road we're going down when votes can just be flipped. And uh, it's just a scary time. I think, first of all, congratulations on your prediction abilities. I should tell you that our episode tomorrow, tomorrow's episode, produced by senior producer Lily Tyson, is about predicting the future. Uh, people who are good at it, people who are bad at it, people who should apologize when they get it wrong, all that kind of stuff. So congratulations on your super forecasting. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think everybody knows we're, we've gone from being in, in an epistemic crisis in which the sort of the, ba- the basis for establishing knowledge and truth and fact uh, has been eroded from underneath it to, and we are about to go through a democracy crisis where, in fact, if you can't, if you can't equitably count the votes and live with the results, um, you know, you have to question whether you really have a functioning democracy. Now, the modifications at the state level are kind of all over the place. Some of them basically roll back uh, some of the attempts during the pandemic to make it easier to vote. Um, and so they, they those are about kind of reversing or reverting to the old status quo. Some of them are vote suppression measures, you know, elaborate photo ID laws and stuff like that. Um, some of them, the weirdest ones, are the ones that seem to take some of the power away from state election officials for ultimate certification or verification and turn it over to state legislatures or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think as we watch all this stuff unfold, I, I would agree with your prediction. I think you are predicting. Uh, accurately, again, that we are probably going to have some people who 
who rise uh, to and attain public office without actually having won their elections. I mean, it seems to be the goal of the Republican Party is, okay, so, you know, we've overfocused on white Christian men uh, and there aren't as many of them as we thought there were. How can we win elections <laughs> if we don't get more votes than the other team? And that, of course, is the answer is to monkey around with the actual nature of democracy. All right. So a uh, good prediction, but but bad prediction, sad prediction, worrying prediction. Uh, all right. Here's Aaron and Wallingford, because it just wouldn't be an uh, Ask or Tell Me Anything show without at least one UFO call. So here we go. Aaron, you have the floor. Oh, uh, no. Am I that guy? No, you are that guy, but we want you to be that guy. We value you. Oh. Okay. Well, this, this just blows my mind. All right. So obviously, this is a taboo subject. No one's supposed to talk about it. It always elicits giggles whenever it comes up, right? Um, but so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, th this is in the air right now, pun slightly intended, right? So um, it, 60 Minutes, they just ran a segment interviewing uh, Navy pilots who are saying, yes, we, we've seen this stuff. Uh, we're, we document, we're not only eyewitnesses with multiple pilots, uh, with multiple cockpit persons, but multiple radar systems, both on the, the planes and the ships. Um, then the Pentagon, the Department of Defense, had to give a report to Congress, and they admitted, yeah, uh, we, we do spot this stuff, and we haven't been talking about it. And then the New York Times published a piece a, a couple years back uh, revealing uh, a secret Pentagon program that had been going on for, for you know, a, what, a decade or something, studying this phenomenon since, like, 2007, I guess. So it just blows my mind. It's, it's such an interesting topic that seemingly isn't getting a whole lot of press. Um, but, yeah, just, I don't know. But. All right. So, um, first of all, we should tell you that we, we've covered this a bunch. Uh, and if you want to go back and listen to one of our old shows, it originally aired in 2019, September 10th, 2019. It was called Are We Ready to Accept That UFOs Are Real? Uh, and it's one of several shows that we've done on this topic, uh, and it does get into the Air Force pilots or the Navy pilots, all, all that stuff. Um, so, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I actually do think that. Uh, well, <laughs> actually, there's there's a comedian that uh, I really like. His name is Nate Bargatze, and in his most recent Netflix special, uh, he was talking about just how chaotic the information environment has been during the pandemic. Everybody's just talking about the pandemic and COVID and stuff all the time. And if they're not talking about that, maybe they're talking about Trump or whatever. He said, it's been such a strange year that they found out that UFOs are real and nobody cared. Uh, he said, and he said I, when that came out, the thing you're talking about, uh, he said, when that came out, I told my wife, you know, honey, it turns out um, UFOs are real. He said, and she just went about her day. Uh, and I, I do think this, this sort of the problem is that we're living in such a bizarro planet environment already. I mean, we have, you know, a congresswoman who talks about Jewish space lasers and stuff. I mean, we have just we have a, a society right now that we'd be ashamed to show to aliens from another galaxy. <laughs> you know? And we really have a global public health system that we'd be embarrassed for aliens to come and see. I mean, we should be trying to keep the aliens out of here until we get our act together so we could say, look, this is not such a bad planet. But first of all, we're destroying the planet with climate change. And then we've got a pandemic where that we're managing poorly. And then we have bizarro political systems all over the world be, being, you know, hijacked by, by strongman dictators. 
I, I just feel like right. we should just maybe just to say, you know, give them like vouchers where they could come back in two and, or three and I years. you where they can come back. Yeah, like, yeah, well, exactly. like the airlines do, right? We could just say, you know, if you could just give up, we could, could bump you from your seat right now and you get vouchers so you can come from your weird gaseous planet in the Oort cloud, you know, at a future date when we're a little bit more prepared to receive visitors. Boy, this is a long A segment. I have to go, but thanks, Aaron. You were that guy today. We need you, Aaron. Don't feel like you're devalued at all. All right, let's take a break. Wow, this is, uh, the clock's all messed up now. He was just an American dream. He was just an American Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. Spoken Spanish on the beach I tried to make up my mind Whether I could understand A word you said You took my hand and we walked out I forgot to lock the door You stood waiting in a long dark dress I wasted Could be born One of the things I like about these Ask or Tell Me Anything shows Is that I get to pick out all the music I don't know why it is I get to pick out all the music. I think most of the time people don't want me to do that. <laughs> but like, but Jonathan McPants, who's the producer and he's screening the calls and stuff, he wants me to pick out the songs. So there you go. Uh, all right. So I think we're going to start with Marion uh, in Stanford. Then we're going to go to Bill in Gales Ferry. Uh, and then we'll just see where we are. We have also uh, Bob from Middletown, who's actually been waiting for quite a long time. He wants to talk about uh, Tonga, which who doesn't want to talk about Tonga, really? Uh, and Chris, uh, who calls up uh, very regularly. Uh, and so let's begin with Marion. Hi, Marion. Hi, Colin. I'm a longtime listener to your show and, and lots of the shows on NPR. Um, I'm calling with a subject that is near and dear to my heart. I've heard so many shows, not just yours, but other shows that give um, the due respect to first responders in this pandemic. But I haven't heard one group given the respect that they, and accolade, that they really deserve. And that's veterinarians and their staff who have been working tremendously hard, uh, long, long hours, 
just to take care of all the pets, the dogs, the cats, etc., that we have adopted during this pandemic. Um, I especially want to recognize those uh, vets and vet techs and their staff at the nonprofits like the ASPCA and the Humane Society. I think we really need to talk about them and, and give them all kinds of uh, applause for all that they do for our pets. Well, here. I agree. I totally agree. And the thing is also, if you start working with one particular vet or group of, of vets and vet techs and stuff like that, and you really find the right one, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's the the greatest love, you know. Absolutely. Whitney Houston notwithstanding. Really, the greatest love. It, it's just such a great feeling because uh, obviously we do care very much about uh, our animals, uh, mm-hmm. but we, we don't know. We know less about how to treat the medical problems of animals than we do about how to treat the medical problems of humans, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that can go on with your own body that you have a reasonably good guess, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> but, like, with animals, it's like you think, I don't know, is this a big problem? Is it a small problem? Should I go mm-hmm. call the So I agree. Uh, we very much like uh, where we bring our dog, Declan, and he loves to go to the vet, too. He, it's like his favorite place. Even though, like, sometimes they do things like hold his head really still and pull hair out of his ears. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, and even that, I mean, that would be a deal breaker for a lot of people. Like you meet somebody on match and you you go out for a cup of coffee, (laughs) you have a drink, and then they go home and they try to pull hair out of your ear. You're probably not going to stay in that relationship. But but Declan, Declan really, he loves loves the vets. So I'm with you. They don't get enough credit. And I mean, most of them, I think, during the worst of the pandemic – you know, did the thing where they come out to your car and get the dog. That's what our vet did anyway. But um, no matter what, they had to go to work. You know, they had to go. It's important. important to have them there. So, Marianne, I'm with you 100%. Let's go back over to Bill at Gills Ferry. Hi, Bill. Yes. Hi, Colin. How are you? Good. Okay. I have two issues. One, branding. Okay. I think the name of your program or the brand should be Awakening. Awakening and they're awakening. You oh. Like you awake. Right. No, I get. It. I get. That. I know the word. I'm just okay. wondering. Do we have to? Root. Do we have to negotiate with Oliver Sacks for the rights? How is that going to work? Yes, I know. I know. You know. I don't, but I don't care if other people uh, have also used that. I don't care about that. Here's what I care about: is that normal people are caught in loops and they live their lives in these loops. And what you do is you stimulate us to, whoa, wait a minute, maybe I want to jump out of my loop or make an adjustment to my loop. And so what to me, that is awakening. So it sounds like I'm a red, am I a red pill? I always get the pills mixed up. Pants, does that that make me a a red pill? pill. I'm a red pill, okay. No, actually, you're not a pill because that's too painless. <laughs> you're a thumbtack. You see how complicated you know? branding is? Pretty soon yeah. you're calling yourself a I pill. Know, know. Okay, second issue. Second issue. Yeah. Is uh, uh, Congress is, is a hopeless mess. So, And it's a hopeless mess because we are using representational government. And what, I think that's because in the olden days you didn't have any. Uh, you know, communication like we have today. So I think that we should have a grassroots movement and get rid of representational government and have computers for everybody. And every week or month or whatever it is that we want, uh, everybody can vote. 
on whatever the issues are. Get <laughs> rid of the representation. Well, you're a dreamer. You're a dreamer. Um, and I do think in terms of branding, a hopeless mess is a really good branding slogan for the United States Congress. They should put that in their logo, United States Congress, a hopeless mess. But here's the problem with that. I, I don't know whether it's a problem or not. And I sort of feel like I need to go back and read Plato and Socrates and stuff like that and see uh, what they would say about that. I think Plato would say, yeah, but sometimes, you you know, there's a, uh, there is a whole question of – how much anybody – I mean, you're trusting in the wisdom of crowds, right? You're basically saying, all right, so, you know, if we get 200 million people to vote about something, you know, there's sort of a marketplace of ideas. Uh, and so uh, hopefully they will do good things. Except that I don't know. I don't I, – I actually think, unfortunately, that Congress is kind of a reflection of people. I mean, Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene, yes, she's a representative, but people elect her. <laughs> um, she wins elections. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. People elect her in a geographic region that might have uh, a very myopic point of view. Oh, yes. And in terms of sort of taking if things, you yes. Have a collection, if you yeah. have a collection that's larger, you're not going to get the green. Right. Well, I mean, the virtue of your idea, one of the virtues of your idea, is it gets us out of the problem with the U.S. Senate, you know, which is just obviously a bottleneck for all kinds of things. And Wyoming has as many Senate votes as, you know, the state of New York, California. I mean, it's horrible. Uh, and it, I mean, it's, it, I, if what you're saying is that the Constitution might have worked pretty well for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but it doesn't work very well anymore, I'm 100 percent with you. Uh, and and I mean, probably your idea, it's hard to imagine a legislative proposal like yours resulting in anything worse than what we have now. But um, it also would be quite a roll of the dice. Anyway, but that's what we like. That's how we break the loop, right? That's how we break the loop that people are in, is you call up from Gales Ferry and you say, what about this? And suddenly we all have to think about that. What if we all, you know, voted on things? I mean- Still, somebody would have to be in charge of what things we voted on. Like there would have to be some kind of uh, of hierarchy there where somebody said, well, I mean, we're not going to vote. We can't vote on everything that everybody wants to vote about because that wouldn't that would create stasis because we couldn't get through the important stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not as well prepared to think about this like just off the top of my head as perhaps I should be. Uh, but I think the spirit behind his proposal is a good spirit. All right. So we have to take one more very quick break, and then we'll come back from that very quick break. Uh, if you want to call up, you can bring up anything. Nobody's bringing up French dressing, which I thought was like the big story of the day. But 888-720-WNPR, 888-720-9677. We are back. It is time to say some thank yous, uh, no matter what we call the show. Um, and my, by the way, in terms of the rebranding, I was initially said, let's find out whether we can get the rights 
to the call it Mikhail's Navy because I feel like you know that hasn't been on the TV for a long time and it's a good name. Anyway, no matter what we're called, Cat Pastor will always be our technical producer if I have my way. Anyway, uh, and she is today. And Jonathan McPants is in there. He's screening calls. He's feeding information to me. He's looking at things, trying to find hidden eagles and logos. He's multitasking. That's the word I'm looking for. So, um, yes, uh, tomorrow, if you're listening here live on Wednesday, tomorrow will be our show about predicting the future. Uh, and on Friday, the nose, we'll look into uh, the whole question of Macbeth, um, the tragedy uh, of Macbeth, the Scottish play, uh, as performed by Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand, directed by one of the Coen brothers. Also, we're going to be talking about Wordle. we got to talk about Wordle. I'm amazed nobody's called about Wordle, Wordle today. That would seem to be the kind of thing people would call up about. But uh, we're going to talk about Wordle. We're probably going to talk about Joss Whedon, too. So, anyway, that's a little bit of the plan for the week. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to maybe go to Tony here. Here's uh, Tony in New London. You you have the floor. Hey, thank you, Colin. Hey, um, how about Colin's Coast Guard instead of Mikhail's Navy? <laughs> just, uh, just throwing that out there. I like your – that was quick. That was very quick. Very well done. I, I yeah, yeah, I, I'm, and uh, I'm sorry, I don't know, I don't have any French dressing c- comments, but um, but you know, know, you know the story, right? Like for like 70 years, French dressing was regulated by, I believe, the FDA, uh, and so you couldn't put out like a diet French dressing because it wouldn't be French dressing anymore because it wouldn't conform to the government standards for French dressing, and so there was very aggressive lobbying. Uh, by a group called, I have this somewhere in my notes, yes, the Association for Dressings and Sauces. And you know, people talk about big pharma, big sauces, uh, even even larger, heavier uh, lobbying footprint, uh, the big sauces people. And so they, they wanted to deregulate. I guess it, it's 20 years that it's been regulated. No, more than 70 years, French dressing has been under the thumb of the Food and Drug Administration. But as of now, they are going to change it. Effective on Valentine's Day uh, of this year, people celebrating Valentine's Day will be able to squirt anything all over each other and say that's French dressing because there's going to be no standards anymore. So that's the kind of chaos we're descending into. But that's not what you called up about. Yeah, Well, I want to talk about what you want to talk about. Okay. Well, I wanted to talk about, and this has been, I've been obsessed with this for a while, the Knights of Columbus. Um, and I, I, I will have to disclose, I was a long, long time ago a member of the Knights of Columbus in, in New London, as a matter of fact, although I've long since parted ways. But I'm just wondering, Colin, if I don't know if you've done a show on the Knights. I mean, their their world headquarters is right there in New Haven, yep. right next to Yale. And they, they, I guess, are very involved under the table with a lot of um, contributions to, well, certainly anything that has to do with restricting abortion or, or eliminating abortion or changing the laws on abortion and also with gay marriage and other anything related to gay marriage or anything related to gay anything i think and again i i don't i don't know to what degree they've impacted some of what goes on with the supreme court or what goes on in in some in some other legislators but they're pretty big and they're pretty savvy and I think, like the NRA, they're pretty good about looking, you know, doing gun safety, but then promoting every, you know, not allowing any guns to be restricted. They they sell insurance and and do nice things for charity, but I think deep down they have this really heavy agenda. And I and I'm just wondering what 
you know, what's really going on under the ground there? <laughs> well, if you're a former Knight of Columbus and you wonder what's really going on, imagine how in the dark the rest of us are. But you know what? Let me just say this. I would gladly do a show about the Knights of Columbus. I think we might have even have talked about it at some point. Uh, and then we find out that they don't do any jousting or anything like that. We lost interest. But um, um, but my sense of the Knights of Columbus is that, you know, they're sort of, I don't know, I'm that they're a little bit more of a multi-party organization. There's some fairly famous Democrats who have been uh, Knights of Columbus. And in fact, there have been some, uh, what do they call it, like the Supreme Knight or something, which is really creepy. But the Supreme Knight, I think right. sometimes it's a Republican. The Grand Supreme Knight. The Grand Supreme Knight. That's creepy sounding. But uh, but I think that those people have sometimes been, once again, people with, you know, actual, uh, you know, political records either in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. It seems to swing back and forth. They're what's called a 501c8, uh, which means that they can uh, engage in certain kinds of political activities, although they claim it's never partisan. It probably is, as you say, you know, heavily concentrated on so-called pelvic issues. Uh, and so I don't know. It'd be a good show. I mean, I don't – it's like – <laughs> I don't think the Knights of Columbus want us to do this show, except that they, I, you know. I, that's right. Yeah. We'll see if we I still, I, I, we, we used to have a producer named Josh Nalea here. He would have gone undercover as a Knights of, he would have lived as a Knight of Columbus for a year or something, you know, and then we would have done the show. Um, but we don't have anybody I mean, like that. I, yeah. Well, maybe I'll look into that. Maybe if I could get back in their good graces, maybe right. I could go, go undercover. And, yeah. And, uh, we, you know, I could. Give, you know, broadcast live from like the basement of the of the Knights headquarters. You're gonna be like the Donnie Brasco of the Knights of Columbus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, well, I mean, and we then you can come up with another name for the show. Like, right. Uh, I, I'm not something like the, the Pelican Brief, but more Knights of Columbus. Yeah. I, I feel I feel you. I feel like we're gonna be getting like phone calls from Tony in a parking garage because they're coming after me right now. I'm gonna tell you one last thing about the Knights of Columbus. You know, and then the line will go dead. Um, so that that would put us on a very different track as a radio show anyway. All right. So you know what? I feel bad because I haven't gotten to Bob. And then we will go to Savannah. I don't know. I mean, we're not going to Savannah. But there's a person named Savannah whose call we will take here. But first, Bob from Middletown has been on almost since the beginning of the show uh, wanting to talk about Tonga. And, and so that's what we're going to do right now. Hi, Bob. Are you still there? Yeah. Hi. Hi, Colin. I'm still here. Sure. I'm sorry you had to wait so long. Oh, that's all right. Um Hey, you, let me start with a little language lesson, or just maybe that's all I'll do. It's, it's Tonga. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. So uh, Tonga um, is like you'd say finger. Yeah. Tonga is singer. Okay. Tonga. Singer, right? Tonga. Got it. NG is a vowel. That's We're a good lesson. NG. Yeah. The other thing is taboo, which one of your callers said. It was some other Bob, I think, from like some other <laughs> and, uh, Some other Bob. And he said taboo. Which is a Tongan word, tapu, means sacred. That's the name of the island, Tonga Tapu. Wow. Um, and so that's cool too, right? Um, and I'm just feeling so much for the Tongan oh, yeah. people. I was a Peace Corps, I was a Peace Corps volunteer there for two years in the early '80s, and um, you know, and, and really, um, you know, just uh, feel really good about um, the place, and you know, that it's being, uh, you know, so so uh, overwhelmed is. Um, is interesting. Not a disaster. That's the other people in Tonga understand it to mean, or will come to understand it to mean, the norm, right? All of the Pacific world is 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 made up of volcano and reef and um and wind and sea, and it's all created by that. 
Um, and I just really appreciate how I'm certain that people aren't freaking out so much as relying on that as a comforting thing. We're Tongan. We're, we're Pacific people. This is the thing. This is the deal. There's a word that in Tongan that stands for bursting forth. And that, I think, is kind of um, you know, really important here. As, as, uh, and it has to do with creation. It has to do with, with academic. So that's sort of what's happening. And then there's no internet for a month. So that's not right. good either. But. No, and there's like sort of potentially toxic ash in the air for a really long time. Um, the ashes, uh, yeah, the ash is, is really horrible. Ash is the big problem, yeah. Well, listen, thanks for, re- first of all, thanks for the language lesson, and thanks for reminding us to think about that on this day, too. All right, this is, I don't know, I've got two calls left on the board. Maybe I can get to both of them. Let's see. I said Savannah in Marlboro. She's going to go first. Here we go. You have Hi, the floor. Colin? Yeah. Awesome. I'm calling to kind of, um, rant a little bit about being a pregnant person in the middle of a pandemic and how difficult that has been. So basically just, you know, none of the normal experiences of pregnancy are happening right now. There's no, I mean, I guess you can be irresponsible and throw a 60 person baby shower, but I won't be doing that. Mm -hmm. And So you don't get a baby shower, you don't get visitors in the hospital, you're just kind of cooped up in your house, and there's really not a lot going on. And I don't think that there's um, enough appreciation being shown for pregnant people in the world right now, basically. Yeah, I'm sure it is hard. I mean, it's just like so many different aspects of life. I mean, some of these really sort of fundamental rituals of life, whether it's being pregnant or getting married or whatever, these things are... They don't have their normal profile. All I would say is, obviously, it's tough to live with, and you're you, and you're living in your own shoes and your own skin. There are people like immunocompromised people who are dealing with even weirder and scarier realities during this time. And we all need to you know, take pretty good care of each other and, and understand uh, the kind of pain or discomfort or fear or, or menace uh, that everybody's living with. But, but I, I hear you. I feel you. All that kind of stuff. And yeah. I'm sorry, your pregnancy. Maybe you'll have other pregnancies, and they won't be in a pandemic, and things will be different. And then, of course, the kid that you have this time is going to say, "Well, you, you it seems like you were more happy with my brother's pregnancy, or your pregnancy with my brother, as the case may be." All right, I have to stop babbling because the show is over. <laughs> thanks to McPants, thanks to Cat Pastor, thanks to you for listening.